0: Yeah, and I don't always have dreams, no, I mean, it, it, yeah, exactly, I mean, I always, you know, I love film, I love watching film, it was it was like dreaming, you know, and so I feel very lucky that, you know, you can kind of daydream and make things happen, you know, that, that's for me, whether it was drawing or doing something, even my drawings and stuff was a way of creating something, so I always feel like
1: whether, whatever, it's just important for anybody, in any form, whether you draw or, you know, write or just anything, you know, anything that you can do. I think it just helps the human spirit to just do something that's creative for yourself, you know, definitely. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols, which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted.
2: What did you do? Anything fun this
0: weekend? Played some Blood on the Clock Tower. That was all right. Some yeah. what? Blood, Blood on the Clock Tower, It's kind of, it's a social deduction game. It's one of those games where you all get secret roles, and then you have to try to figure out who the other people are. Oh. Okay. What'd you do, Doug?
1: Oh, it was Thanksgiving weekend here.
2: Oh. Well, not real Thanksgiving,
1: though. No, not real Thanksgiving. I don't know why you guys think the real Thanksgiving is the one that comes second. That doesn't even make sense.
0: Hmm. Right. I mean Yeah. They, uh, they get to celebrate their oppression of the Native Americans. Say, way did,
1: before we get to <laughs>
0: Did you uh
2: did you oppress a bunch of Native Americans?
1: Did I personally, or did
0: just as you me? as a pe- you as a people?
1: Well, Argu-
0: arguably, the Canadians did a few things that may be worse than what America did, and America was really mm-hmm. bad.
1: We didn't do the full genocide thing where we just like had our army ride cross country and murder as many of them as possible, and you guys did sort of do that, <laughs> so
0: yeah but there were the uh oh what were they called the ones that basically had an entire community that you guys basically uh, removed it starts with an A I can't remember
1: yeah me either
2: what about because uh, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts over the years what uh, what about when you guys took a bunch of Indian children and tried to put them in, in white people schools
1: Wait, yeah but you guys did that too
2: yeah but i'm just saying
1: up here it counts as an atrocity so we report on it (laughs) (laughs) that's all i'm not suggesting there was no evil done there obviously was all right
2: i guess you can have your
0: thanksgiving yeah if if i remember right the canadian ones were extra famous for the uh the sexual assault stuff that
1: well yeah
0: was very ingrained into it
1: that's not really a canadian thing it's a catholic church thing but the ch- schools were run by the Catholic Church, so that's that's the difference there. It's that we let the Catholic Church run them.
2: Hmm. So that was a bad idea,
1: probably. Yes, it's a horrible idea to let the Catholic Church run schools. And I went to schools run by the Catholic Church my whole life. Hmm. So,
0: God, I cannot remember what the name of that group was because they were basically like uh, a combination of like Native Americans and Amish people, kind of. <laughs>
2: I don't know. You should do a podcast about it now. They're very yeah, popular. I, I
1: don't
0: know. I, yeah, I can't remember.
1: I don't know why we always talk about sad stuff to start our podcast anyway. Speaking of crimes against humanity, how about that Michael Keaton?
2: Well, I think we all know Jeffrey Jones is more the one who committed the crimes against humanity. Yeah, Which is why Doug wanted to celebrate uh, these two movies that he's in, directed by Tim Burton.
1: Jeffrey Jones Week. Not at all what we're doing this
2: week. <laughs> at all <laughs> uh, alright we won't claim you're celebrating a pedophile oh. anymore oh,
0: we were wanting we were wanting things that typified decades right in the, the sexual <laughs> crimes of Jeffrey Jones typified <laughs> a decade
1: <laughs> did he limit <clears> them <throat> to a single decade or I can't remember Anyways, let's know. change the subject to literally anything else.
2: Well, Doug wanted to talk about Tim Burton this week and use it as an excuse to like call him a 90s director, even though one of these is set in the 80s, or was made in the 80s.
1: Yeah, but it's also his best movie, so I just decided we were allowed to do it. Alright, well if it's his
2: best movie, why don't you run down Beetlejuice for
1: us, Doug? just in case people listening haven't seen it, like people mm. who sit around listening to horror podcasts and don't know what Beetlejuice is about. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, yeah, there's
2: some 13-year-olds never heard of it before.
1: Well, um, okay. So Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis are a couple that live in a small town. They die in a hilarious accident on the way home to the hardware store one day. And they become ghosts. And uh, Catherine O'Hara and her husband move into the house and start – trying to fix it up with, you uh, know, more like a modern 80s Art Deco style, which upsets the ghosts who uh, start trying to scare them off and in the process accidentally befriended their goth daughter who just thinks it's cool to have ghosts in the house.
0: Is that, is that Art Deco?
1: I don't know. I don't really know.
0: <laughs> I feel is. like it's Tim Burton chic is the only way to describe <laughs> it.
1: It's it really is them converting like a classic decorated home into a set from a Tim Burton movie is what they're doing. It's just it's really like Tim Burton found a way to get his set dressers to be part of the movie by having it happen on screen. Uh, anyways, eventually they have to hire this Beetlejuice character to uh, help them. He's hilarious. He's Michael Keaton, and uh. So what? So then eventually. The, the the hipster folks from New York actually think it's cool to have ghosts around and uh, start trying to force them to be uh, kind of put on a show for their friends. So the daughter recruits Beetlejuice to uh, save the ghosts from the humans, <laughs> but then she has to save the ghosts. The ghosts have to save her from Beetlejuice. And then the, uh, the, the two families, the ghosts and the living people, decide to live happily ever after together. Mm hmm which is uh, the ending to this movie makes me so happy when they're just like, let's just all live in the house together. And we're like, why didn't you guys just sit down and talk at the beginning of this? You could have avoided all of this.
2: <laughs> yeah. But then no Michael Keaton hilarity.
1: I know. But it's so funny because like the parents, like the daughter's like celebrating her, her doing well on a test with the ghosts. And the dad just hears the music and goes, Oh, she must've done well. The ghosts are throwing her a party. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, the dad, by the way. Doug's favorite, Jeffrey Jones.
1: I ah, Fuck you. <laughs> it's not my fault he's a monster who was in every movie. How can we not have movies with him in them?
2: It is unfortunate. He's in so many good movies.
1: <laughs> like every fucking movie.
2: Yeah, I think Noah, you yeah, brought this up last week. Yeah, from like <laughs>
0: 1984 to 1998, he's in every goddamn
1: good movie. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways we were we were changing topics. So what do you guys think of Beetlejuice? Do you, are you fans? So I mean,
0: let's talk about the most important thing. Yeah. It is okay.
1: the best use of
0: the singular PG-13 fuck of all time. <laughs> <laughs> right? We can all agree to this. The, the nice, nice fucking fu- model. Nice fucking model. It's I the mean, best random fuck in the middle of an otherwise PG-13 movie. <laughs> it,
1: it really is a funny funny line. It is a good it says one. It. Like I because it, like, like, he kicks over that tree and it falls over and he gets mad at the tree for falling over. I forgot to mention in my plot description for people who don't know what we're talking about that the, uh, the, the Alec Baldwin character was building a model of the town in the attic. And when Beetlejuice shows up, he lives in the model of the town. <laughs> so he's tiny unless they call to him.
2: Did they ever explain why? Or was it just, why, why? eh, this will look cool?
1: Why, sorry, why he's building the model of the town?
2: No, why it's Beetlejuice right is right. living in it?
1: It's it's just inexplicably
0: random. Yeah, no,
2: yeah which is fine. I was just good. curious if I had somehow all these years missed a reason why he's living in the model.
3: No,
0: I mean, at the beginning it shows him reading the obituaries and he picks their family out, so he just moves into their model, I guess.
1: Yeah. At one point yeah. he's like, better check the business section of the newspaper and he goes to the obituaries. That's how he finds <laughs> newly dead people who may be in need of his services. Um yeah, no, I think I think I think we're just supposed to run with that one. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the
0: the the mythology of this movie is uh, inconsistent and not well planned out, but that's okay. <laughs> like, well, just, even, just, yeah, even just just let it go and skip by. It.
1: It, look, it's it's a comedy film, and comedy films are not obligated to follow rules in the same way that other films are, but. Even like the powers that the ghosts have are inconsistent scene to scene. And it's never explained why, really, some people can see them and some people can't. A lot of the stuff just is completely illogical. But that's the type of film it is. And it doesn't exist in the real world. Like nothing
0: but Doug, to be real world. That's because I am strange and unusual. Yeah. <laughs> You know it's weird. Whenever I was a, a young man, I was like, "Yeah, Lydia Deetz, so hot." And now that I'm older, I'm like, "Ah, Lydia Deetz, she is fucking insufferable."
2: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Catherine
0: O'Hara was hot, which is you, not well, wrong. Which is not well, wrong. Yeah, Catherine O'Hara is super hot in this.
1: movie. that that was that, that is a weird shift when this was new. We were the age of the child, and now we're the age of the parents. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Catherine O'Hare, the source of many uh, awkward fear boner. (laughs) Uh,
2: I mean, I suppose we have to talk about Michael Keaton because this performance is just amazing. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And so I'm going to say not consistent with what he usually does. And I mean, you can see little pieces of the Beetlejuice stuff in different movies. Like the uh, you want to get nuts line for Batman and yep. other parts where he just freaks out, but his sustained like performance throughout the entire movie is just
1: awesome. Oh, and it's yeah, it's so gross, but at the same time endearing. If that makes sense, yeah. Oh, well, it, there's something spe- He's doing something special in this that no one else could have done. What he's doing,
0: right? And- this this movie had the perfect level of the Tim Burton aesthetic. Versus just a well shot movie, right? Yeah. While th- th- that becomes my issue with him, the more the more control and the more money Tim Burton has to make a movie, the shittier his movies turn out.
2: I can agree with that.
1: Yeah. No. I. Um. Yeah. I. I think <laughs> this. Y- you actually said something really intelligent there. Where this is the perfect blend of like he can add his aesthetic, he can have his weirdness and like you know have the ghosts doing weird shit but in the middle of it there are some relatively normal people in a relatively normal house just going about right
0: yeah yeah and i think it's it's a pretty easy argument to make of tim burton live action movies this has to be his best movie even even setting batman aside right mm-hmm.
1: yeah I, I don't think there's a discussion about what Tim Burton's I, best movie is, in my opinion.
0: I, well, I think understand. there there is an argument to be made. If you go overall, man, Nightmare Before Christmas really gives this a run for its fucking money. I don't know.
2: If yeah, I've but, ever but ever he didn't actually it. he didn't actually direct it though.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever watched it start to finish. To be honest, really? Yeah, it's just one of those weird ones.
2: Seems like that's something you and Lando would be perfect to watch. It's a good Halloween to Christmas transition movie.
1: Yeah. Weirdly enough, I've seen the. Um, the stage play multiple times, but I've never actually sat and watched the movie.
0: It's a brilliant, it's a brilliant excuse to be able to put up Halloween decorations and then leave them up for three
1: months.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I hope that was his uh, intention from the beginning. It's like, do you want a black Christmas tree that you can set up in October and leave up until February?
2: uh, I mean, we're not talking about that movie, but I did hear that he sort of came up with the idea for the story when he saw, Department store taking down the Halloween decorations and putting up the Christmas stuff, and you thought how weird it is that like those two things don't really interact that much.
1: Well, luckily they do. Because stores already have Christmas stuff up, so I know, solve right? Solve that problem.
0: It's a, it's a bullshit. Yeah, this uh, I was gonna say. Beetle Beetlejuice is kind of crazy because almost every second of this movie is kind of like iconic. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? You can call out like any random scene in this movie and people are like, yeah, fuck yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. The, the scene where they're sitting in a waiting room is iconic.
1: Well, because it's so good. It's so much fun to sit there and look around the room and guess how everyone else died. And wonder if that shark that's biting that guy's leg is the shark from the Batman 66 movie, and that's why. <laughs> that's how Tim Burton got that job directing Batman. It's
0: pretty funny. I hope, I hope that's true. <laughs>
1: it's in my head, it plays out more like he got the job directing Batman while he was still making this, and decided to add in the reference. But
2: um, probably the most, the second most well-known use of sandworms.
1: Yeah, do you guys think Dune was ripping this movie off when they put sandworms in?
0: <laughs> no. I do. I do love the fact that, like, apparently, if you step outside of your haunt zone, you're teleported to Saturn. <laughs> Like, like once again, you're like, what? How does it, how does it make any what? sense?
1: Yeah. Well, the thing is, I assumed it was some sort of hell dimension, and I think it was only on this viewing that I realized, oh, they're no, no, they're saying, um, they're saying that's Saturn. Well, why would it be Saturn? And why are there these weird alien things, alien worm things on Saturn? How does that even? <laughs> why are we not talking about that? How is that not part of the discussion in the movie? <laughs> I'm like, you guys know how you just found out ghost surreals? Aliens too. What do you know? (laughs)
0: Yeah, this is, it's it's one of those things that I kind of wish that there was a non-Beetlejuice spinoff of Beetlejuice that just explored the mechanics of whatever the fuck is going on with the afterlife. <laughs> I just... like like that centers around somebody that's hired to work as one of these uh people who has to have appointments with dead people to help them three times in a millennia or whatever
1: just like an office style fake documentary about right. the life of what goes on around
0: there for <laughs> each episode they just explain one little piece of lore and you're like
1: oh <laughs> i get it i get it how about do you feel at the end of the movie when Beetlejuice is in the line and some of the people are still there? You're like, oh shit! I feel bad for those people. It goes back to that same waiting room.
2: They're going to be there forever.
1: Hey, it's Elvis. <laughs> well, yep, looks like I'm
0: next. I had a lot of Beetlejuice toys. Yeah, I had some
2: of them too. Like the the one with like the big top. Circus looking tent,
0: like yeah. version of his head. Yeah, I had the one that you push the button and all the spikes would pop out of him. Nice. <clears throat> Another one of those weird car,
2: uh, weird movies. Which maybe this one actually makes sense. Uh, that spawned its own Saturday morning cartoon.
1: Yeah, I mean this is the most cartoonish of the inappropriate movies that got Saturday morning cartoons.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember For... really enjoying the Beetlejuice cartoon. As did I. I, don't I don't think it would hold up. I want to rewatch.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't recommend that.
2: Don't you don't want to ruin taint those memories?
0: Yeah, and still, that's one of those
2: podcasts
0: I always thought about doing, but I just don't know enough people who want to watch a bunch of old Saturday morning cartoons and talk about them.
2: <laughs> a friend of mine, sort of doing one right now. Sweet. Yeah, it's it's pretty terrible. Well, damn it.
0: I was going to say I can just listen to that one and not put in the effort.
2: <laughs> well, look up yesterday's days with D A
1: Z E. Don't don't start promoting mm. other podcasts. Oh, there's it's a in Z it. in it. I can't do it. Don't don't start promoting other podcasts in the middle. Of this. We Cannot <laughs> afford to lose listeners. Let's get back on track and talk about the movie. I mean, what,
0: else? No, no, what? No, See, this is one of those ones. It's hard to talk about because it's just good. I mean, what complaints could you possibly fucking have about this movie? Other than once again. The, the mechanics and in mythology, inconsistent, but once again, it's comedy, so who cares? Yeah. That's fine. And some of the story elements kind of come out of nowhere. For example? Well, like the whole thing where Beetlejuice has to m- apparently marry Lydia to escape the realm of the dead permanently or something along those lines, which isn't mentioned through the whole movie until, like, the third act, and then he's like,
1: yeah, this is a thing I can do. <laughs>
0: <And> you're like, <laughs> Yeah, what? that does what? pop
1: out of nowhere. Do you guys believe that he has to do that, or is he just trying to trick her into marrying him? Because it was 1988, and almost everyone wanted to marry one a writer.
2: I'm going to assume it was actually true, that he could okay. escape
1: that way. Yeah, I mean, I kind of took it as true in the movie, but it, it is it does kind of... Feel like okay. The, we need a climax of the movie. We need him to become the bad guy. How does he become the bad guy? Well, you have him go after the little girl, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Do you think she was a shoplifter at this point?
1: Or was that just? It's later hard to in say. Life? Do you think she paid for the veils that she wears through this movie? <laughs> <laughs> it is I great. do.
0: I do love the fact that the whole emo rave girl thing was basically just people watched this movie and they were like, oh, that should be a real thing. That should yep. be an aesthetic that we do.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do you know what her best part in the whole movie is, is um during the big like the deo deo part of the movie where they they all start singing and dancing around the table. I love just, if you're watching the background of it, she is having the best time watching her whole family be annoyed <laughs> by these ghosts. She's just back there giggling away, and it's my favorite part of her performance in the whole movie. She's just like, this is amazing. I love what's happening to these people who are supposed who I'm supposed to care about, but I don't.
0: That's that's definitely the... Uh, I, I don't know. I think it's my favorite scene of the whole movie, the the dancing Calypso dinner scene. Yeah. But... There's something amazing about that scene, no matter how many times I watch it, where Catherine O'Hara's character is clearly concerned about what's going on. Jeffrey Jones's character is like spastic and trying to resist, and he's scared. And the rest of them just are having the fucking times of their lives. And you can (laughs) see it on their faces. They're like,
1: yeah. They were all promised ghosts, and they were like disappointed that they weren't getting ghosts. And then they started getting them, right? (laughs) Or were they promised ghosts at that point? Maybe not.
2: I don't know. But, I mean,
1: they do all when, seem to when, kind of just go with it. They're all like it starts, is, they're all confused, and then as it start, as they keep going, they're just like, "All right, I'm gonna roll with this."
2: I mean, when was the last time you saw Robert Goulet that happy?
1: When's the last time I saw Robert Goulet at all? I'm sure he's dead <laughs> by now, isn't
2: he? Oh, he's long
0: dead now. Okay,
2: maybe, maybe he was happy when Will Ferrell was playing him on SNL.
1: I'm Robert Goulet. <laughs> Honestly, I think my knowledge of Robert Goulet is just like him doing like guest appearances on '80s TV shows, and then this movie.
2: Yeah, that's probably about sums it
1: up. I feel like he was probably on like most of the TV shows. Love Boat. Uh, obviously, Love Boat. <laughs> the,
0: yeah, one of the funniest things about this movie is there's the the sales pitch that Jeffrey Jones' character does about his idea for Paranormal Town or whatever. Yeah. And I'm listening to it, and I get that it's supposed to be just ridiculous and corny, but I'm listening to it, and I'm like, I man, this sounds really cool. <laughs> I kind of want to go see the, the wax museum in the insect zoo.
1: I know. The funny part was like, cause when he first starts the plan and he's trying to get his buddy to invest, I'm like, I'm mad at him. Cause I'm like, he's trying to get all these New York people to come up and buy up all the land and build fucking condos and shit in the middle of this nice little Connecticut town. And I'm like, God damn it. Don't ruin the cute little town. You jerk. And then he's like, and we'll make it into a paranormal theme park. And I'm like, okay, now we're talking. I can live with some condos. If we, get, if we get an insect zoo. I want an insect zoo.
2: Sandworm pit.
1: Great! All you have to do is die and then step out of your house. Easy trip to Saturn. Get to see some sandworms.
2: Uh, how do we feel about Gina Davis and Alan Baldwin?
0: I. It, it always amazes me every time we see this movie of what happened to Alec Baldwin. How did at some point in his life, Carbs. he he grew sideways three inches. <laughs> but like not just
1: fat-shame Alec Baldwin. No, it's not no, no here. I'm
0: not. No, I'm not talking about fat. I'm talking like his head gained width. His his face is broader, not fatter, broader. His skull is elongated to he's, the sides.
1: Pretty sure he's just fat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: because I got to be honest, Billy Baldwin still looks about the same, just older.
1: Yeah, I think you're. I think you're just fat shaming.
2: It's Stephen Baldwin. Well, he's just he's just
1: crazy. So know. doesn't matter. You leave Barney Rubble out of this.
0: And <laughs> Gina Davis is hot in that weird, not hot but hot kind of way that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, she's even wearing that that hideous fucking sundress through the whole movie because that's what she died in, and you're still kind of like, yeah, still hot. Oh. I mean, she's not the fly hot. Or Earth Girls Are Easy Hot. She's okay. definitely not Earth Girls Are Easy Hot. <laughs> right. But this this movie does not have the raw sexual tension that Earth Girls are easy has. I'll cut
1: in and break through the sexist discussion you guys are having. I do like her performance. I think it works. I think it's kind of, it's stunted, but I think you want these two to be this, like, kind of boring traditional couple. So they completely contrast these other weirdos that have come into the house. And they do, they both do a good job of doing it. They're kind of, like, boring but still likable, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, just... Yeah, like, like people, you'd, you'd get really bored of them at a dinner party, but you'd, they're so nice, you'd feel obligated to go to their dinner party. That's what they remind me of. <laughs> and then to be put in this situation where they have to learn how to haunt people and they don't know how to be scary and stuff is really quite fun.
2: They actually put sheets on and it doesn't matter.
1: When they put the sheets on and that's what, um, what's her name, catches them, Lydia. And She's like, are you guys seriously wearing sheets? Like she's all judgy of them <laughs> because they're shitty at being ghosts.
0: <laughs> how fucking how fucking great is this little model town? <laughs> I know the reason why it's so great is that they basically had the people who build models for movies to pass this real life <laughs> built mm-hmm. that model town, but at the same time, every time I look at it, I'm like, damn it, I wish I was half that good. Oh my models suck. I
2: always, uh, always kind of wanted a town model for some reason. I don't know because like I didn't want to build one. No.
1: I wanted one, but I didn't want to do the effort. Yeah, But you can say that about a lot of things I want.
2: Like,
1: <laughs> I want a mansion with indoor swimming pools. I don't want to earn a mansion with indoor swimming pools. I just want to have one.
2: Well, it's weird because I wanted one when I was little just because I was little and I wanted a model town. Why not? And then when I was doing the film festivals, I really wanted to recreate the uh, opening of uh, the uh, HBO feature presentation thing. Where you zoom out of like a living room and then the camera like flies over a small town and then the HBO logo shows up. I contacted so many people who had like miniature towns to see if I could get them to shoot it for me and none of them did because they're jerks.
1: I'll be honest, I am. I think I just wanted a model of town because of this movie. I think I just saw it in
0: this. Oh, this is the only reason? Could you (laughs) you hope there would be a Beetlejuice living in it?
1: Not directly, but I wouldn't.
2: (laughs) You was hoping that strip club would just. Magic magically kick. show up. What
0: the what the fuck? Is there a tiny Michael Keaton living in my model? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: but it's Mr. Mom Michael Keaton. This isn't as fun. <laughs> he's just <laughs> he's just ironing grilled cheese. It's not the same.
0: Oh no, it's a multiplicity, Michael Keaton.
1: <laughs> now they're all over the house. You can't get rid of them like fucking ants. Um <laughs> But anyways, is, <laughs> the, this
0: movie wasn't even a commercial success, Michael Keaton.
1: What other favorite parts of Beetlejuice did you guys have? Because I feel <laughs> obligated to get us on track again for the third time in this discussion.
2: I mean, all of it.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> what about the part where they decide to make scary faces and then Alec Baldwin can't get his to go back? So for several scenes, it's just, like, different versions of it until he finally gets normal again. A Weird
2: pterodactyl face.
1: That's super fun.
2: Um, I liked when he was trying to get Lydia to guess his name. and He just points, and there's a giant beetle, so, hey,
1: how's it going? <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> and Then he puts the juice there, and we go through that ridiculously long, like segment. It's like a precursor to what Family Guy does where they just hold on something way too long to make you feel awkward and uncomfortable where they're like, obviously you can guess that that's juice, but she goes through every other option. She's like beetle breakfast, beetle drink, beetle, she's just doing it all.
2: Beetle orange.
1: Beetle fruit. <laughs> it's pretty beetle funny. Fruit. Yeah, that's, that's, all, that's all good stuff.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think.
1: What, There's is a it? slightly
0: comedic scene of a teenage girl writing a suicide note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: She's So indecisive. She doesn't get around to killing herself.
0: Well, I'm like, this is funny and this works. And this is also very insensitive. <laughs>
1: yeah, It's very dark, but it's humorous. I think the weirdest thing in this whole movie is the fact that the interior decorator is also just coincidentally... Uh, an expert in the occult like that's just (laughs) one of the strangest things (laughs) they have an interior decorator that lives with them to start with which is weird and then well i love the
0: fact that throughout the movie you find out that he's basically held a thousand careers for about three days yeah
2: i also like when beetlejuice starts fucking people up his way of torturing this guy is just turning his clothes into a blue leecher suit
1: it really upsets him, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That actor, the look on his face
0: whenever he screams is the best. Like, looks down, it's just powder blue. Ah! <laughs>
2: he was also uh, the mayor in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh. <sighs> my friend Randy met him once, had him sign a bunch of shit.
0: Well, good for Randy. Yeah. I know. Um... He was the mayor, but I am the clown with the tearaway face. <laughs>
2: I think we have to put Nightmare Before Christmas on the on the list. Get Doug to actually watch it.
1: All right, we'll figure that out. Again, we won't be planning the show on the show. Let's, let's stay on track a little bit, guys. All
2: right, what else? Beetlejuice is awesome. Like, yeah. what else? What else do we? What else are we going to say about it?
0: You know what else Michael Keaton was in the remake of RoboCop. Let's go on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that one I did not see, so
0: it's probably yeah, that's, that's a good decision. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't like. to yeah. say it's hard to talk about because it's so good. Everything's yeah. good.
1: It really is. I uh, I think I love mm. the 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 sort of world that it exists in. This kind of fake world. I love that opening. Um, car crash scene and that that's how you know you're dealing with a ridiculous over-the-top film is when you get uh, that fucking uh, the car crashes and the dog is standing on the board and it's supporting the entire car and then when the dog <laughs> walks off the car goes over the edge and it's like okay now I know what kind of movie we're in. Because up until that point, it is sort of like, are we supposed to be laughing at these people or with these people? Like, what exactly is going on with this nerdy couple that's just running into town to get building supplies? And the weird old man that just wants to talk to them and stuff. And you're just like, okay. I I, I was
0: going to say, that is a testament to this film. Because probably the worst joke in the entire film is just the joke of the old man telling the story. Oh. And he doesn't top, stop talking the entire time he's in the... <laughs> thing and that still lands so good especially because while he's in the relative silence of the shop grabbing the model pieces you can still quietly in the background hear that guy telling the story
1: yeah it's really fun the way they do it
2: um i find it interesting well maybe not interesting but this is the movie that definitely set sort of the tim burton aesthetic like he had done Pee Wee's big adventure before this but i mean there's only like a couple pieces where you could be like, oh, that's the Tim Burton aesthetic to it. Whereas this one is just like, yeah, yeah, everything is Tim Burton. Like, that's not a surprise whatsoever.
1: Yeah, I his... feel like um, this movie was like, okay, he had just enough clout to be able to do whatever he wanted. And then he did this. And then that got him even more clout. And then he turned it to George Lucas and went way too far with his clout.
0: Yeah, there are. Uh... Uh, concept sketches from his work for whenever he was still a Disney animator and worked on the Black Cauldron. Hmm. And those concept sketches ooze Tim Burton. They're all the weird, noodly, snake like limbed things, and everything has purple and black stripes. Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, it's 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 a hundred percent his vibe. And apparently they were all rejected for that movie, which is why he stopped
2: working for Disney because they were <laughs> like, get out. Yeah, otherwise he did Fox and the Hound. That's one he worked on, I think.
1: Yeah, I think that's right.
2: Yeah, that's it's definitely not a very Tim Burtony movie.
1: No. Well yeah, Disney's not where you go if you want to be able to express yourself in your own unique style.
2: Not until Nightmare Before Christmas, and then Disney, were like, we're going to put that on the touchstone. Yeah. But- and then when it became super popular, like, no, 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 it's a Disney thing. It's a Disney thing.
1: Yeah, it changes things once you're popular and well-known. Then you can have your own expression. <laughs> you brought in to do that. But-
2: All right. What do you think else about Beetlejuice? Obviously, it's amazing. Somehow, you've never watched Beetlejuice. Go watch it immediately.
1: Yeah, I think we we all recommend it to people, and I, I think maybe there's a lot of people who haven't watched it in a while. And I think the most important takeaway from my rewatching it tonight was that like it it really holds up. Like the visuals hold up, the humor holds up. The most important thing is that the humor holds up, and mm-hmm. you know it's it's as good as you remember. I think is what I would say to people who haven't seen it in years.
0: Yeah, I mean it 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 just goes to show it's that proof that practical effects even even to the point of like stop motion animation they just infinitely hold up better than CGI stuff cuz the best 100%. CGI in 5 years is outdated and looks terrible mm-hmm. We'll talk about that in the next movie <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but this this movie that i think um, well, i think too this movie because of its aesthetic even the stuff that doesn't look real it still looks right if that makes any sense, like it doesn't have to mm. look real to look right. That's not yeah. what this movie is.
2: Yeah, like some of the stop motion stuff. You're like, well, of course it's stop motion because yeah. that fits this movie perfectly.
1: Yeah, I think I think this movie walks that line where it's like it's not the real world. So anything that doesn't that doesn't need to look real just doesn't. Anything that doesn't need to be realistic just isn't because this isn't really our universe. It's a made up universe for the purposes of this film.
3: Hmm.
2: Uh, how do we feel that they're finally making Beetlejuice too?
1: Yeah, t- I, t- I feel like it can only be bad. Yeah, I feel like there's no real way it can live up to this, and I'm either going to be disappointed or I'm going to shrug. That's the best case scenario is I like, go, oh, eh, whatever. Mm-hmm. Legacy what, if tom- what if tomorrow
0: Marvel Tim Burton's like, we're
1: bringing back Jeffrey Jones?
0: <laughs> Doug's like,
2: yes, finally. I
1: just, I just wanted to be about Winona rider.
2: <laughs> it's going to be about her daughter, though.
1: Is it, will she be the mom in it?
2: Yeah. Okay. yeah. She's in it. There's pictures of her on set in Adult Lydia Get Up. Um, Jenna Ortega is playing her daughter,
1: I guess. Obviously. They're not going to make a movie like this without putting Jenna Ortega in it. We all know <laughs>
2: Of course. <She's> like,
1: <laughs> God, David, of course they're going <laughs> to. Man, Hollywood loves to grab onto an actress and just make her be in everything for a brief while. And then just, well, then just she, look at her one day she, and go, now you're too old. Stop.
0: She did that one stupid fucking dance scene in that goddamn Wednesday show, and now we're never going to get rid of her. It's going to be her forever.
2: No. It's fine. I mean, I don't mind. I don't mind her. And that, sh- that show was created and some of the episodes directed by Tim Burton. So I'm not shocked that she's
0: in the new Beetlejuice. She's, listen, she's fine. She's a fine actress. I just, mm. I get so fucking sick of them being like this is the person
1: now. Don't oh, give it a little while, they'll pick somebody else. Yeah. I don't know.
0: We've been saying that for a long time about people like Tom fucking Cruise and Tom fucking Cruise is still in goddamn <laughs> movies <laughs> pretending yeah, but, like he's not short as shit.
1: But we used to say we used to have to say it about Christina Ricci all the time and you know what else she was in? Sleepy Hollow. Boom, segway right in the middle of the show this time.
2: And the Adams family.
1: Well, that's not relevant to <laughs> our
0: We were just talking about Wednesday. Anti-Segway. He derailed your segue.
1: <laughs> Took my segue right out from under
0: me there.
2: Um, no, I'm curious how Michael Keaton does coming back to the character.
1: I think Michael Keaton I think that's going to be, gonna be the big I don't think that'll be the problem at all. I think Michael Keaton yeah. when he dedicates himself to a role is a great actor. I think he can mm-hmm. do these things. I think the question will be the story they put him in whether they start CGIing a lot of this shit, whether Mm. Tim Burton goes way too far with creating this weird fake world, whether you know, and then if Michael Keaton gets bored halfway through filming, I think we'll notice it in his performance. I think we'll all be able to tell if he's not happy.
2: Why did Michael Keaton disappear for a while?
1: Because he wanted to go fishing. He said it on Letterman one time. Yeah? Because they they offered him the lead when Lost came out. They offered him the lead role. And Mm he told letterman that he turned it down when letterman asked him why he's like could you imagine going to work like every day when would i fish <laughs> and <so he> just, <laughs> it's just like, okay it's just like he just he had enough took a break for a while yeah.
0: it was it was strange biggest biggest guy in hollywood for a very long time nothing for a very long time and then he comes back and he's like Hey, I am gonna make this weird indie Birdman movie, and then it's like <laughs> Michael Keaton is everything now.
2: Uh, he was gone for a while, and then he showed up on an episode of Thirty Rock, you know, like as like a janitor or something, and he was fucking hilarious the entire episode. He, he
1: can do what he wants to do, like he no made this comment about Birdman, but like that he, that's a pretty a relatively serious role, and they just. When, they, when he yeah. wants to be back in superhero movies, he's just back in superhero movies. He just he can just do yeah. it. He's turns out he's really good at his job.
2: Yeah. The episode the episode of 30 Rock, there was a gas leak at the building. And he was in there trying. He's like, oh, it's my last day before retirement. Why am I in here? And then he sat there. He's like, I'm too old for this sh- sound that's coming out of this pipe. Mm. It just like every joke just like landed. And then, of course, he gets shot with a bow and arrow or something at the end. And he's like, "Well, you look at that. That's going to retire tomorrow, and then he dies.
1: It's fantastic." Yep, and that's that's our analysis of Beetlejuice <clears throat> is that in-depth description of a pl- of an episode of Thirty Rock.
2: Yeah. Hey, uh, Noah, what do you tell us about Sleepy Hollow?
0: Sure. Uh, Ichabod Crane is an insufferable douche <laughs> uh, detective in New York City. New York City! Who's uh, super into really bad science, but weirdly, his terrible science is still slightly better than the god-awful nothing that was detectiving back then. Uh, He's called the Sleepy Hollow, where several people have been decapitated, and it turns out there's a ghost horseman decapitating people, and there's some witches and shit. Uh, It's a very steam like it's got this mild steampunkiness to it
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh it's also shot in a weird zach snydery shit filter gray scale <laughs> except for the color red in the person who's in immediate focus in the camera who's generally slightly skin toned uh this is also, I uh, i kind of look at this as this is the beginning of when Tim Burton just started shitting the bed. Mm.
1: Yeah, I, I remember the first time I saw this in theaters, I was excited.
2: We're going to have some differing opinions on this.
1: Like Like, I was excited about this the first time I saw it in theaters, and I remember walking away and thinking, man, all style, zero substance. Like, he's given up on the concept of making a film, and he's just making the stylistic stuff now. Um, and I haven't seen it since then, so that's kind of why I wanted to revisit it was to kind of see if I was right and see if I uh, see if I still see see why I had been saying that for the last twenty years. Um, and I, I think Brian, you and I might be closer together where I I don't think I was right to say all style, no substance. Is that what you're? Was that what you were going um, are you, are you, to? Was...
0: Are you? Is your correction? mostly style barely substance
2: i was gonna say i completely forgot because i haven't watched this in a long time either that i actually really like this movie okay and feel like a lot of stuff works in it
1: see i I I agree agree with half of what the second half of what you said i think a lot of stuff really works in it Mm -hmm. my issue is that there's so much style in this film There's so much emphasis on the visuals. There's so much emphasis on this that towards the end, when the story starts really kind of kicking off and we're delving into the mystery, I'm like, my brain is almost going, no, no, no. We're not here for a mystery. We're just here for the visuals. So every time someone's talking, I don't really want to listen. I'm kind of like, it seemed, is that a weird thing to say? It's just, it's very strange how much emphasis there is on the way everything looks and it takes away from my ability to enjoy the story. I think the story is more interesting than I give it credit for, but I can't, I can't seem to f- care because I'm so ingrained in this weird world that they've built.
2: Weirdly, I feel like Tim Burton is like both the perfect person to make this movie and this movie seems very anti-Tim Burton.
1: How is it anti-Tim Burton? If
2: that makes sense. So I'm trying to think of what I didn't look back up his filmography of what else he would have done up to this point, but you go from like Beetlejuice to this and everything's a little bit more toned down. There's, it's still very Gothic and stuff, which he's, you know, kind of a big fan of, but then it's also like super gory and bloody, which is usually not stuff that he deals with. at least up to this point. So, I mean, there's lots of heads getting lopped off. Lots of blood spraying everywhere. Um, people losing uh, limbs. Uh, the fucking kid hiding under the floorboards and his fucking mom's head falls and he just looks into her dead eyes the whole time. Like, that's some really dark shit. In there, I, which is usually not not Tim Burton stuff.
1: Oh, see, I, I guess I associate all that stuff with Tim Burton as much as i do anything else um i just i look at that and go like okay beetlejuice is a comedy film this is what happens when he's in charge of a horror film but aesthetically i think mm-hmm. there's a lot of similarities i think he's really just got more control of this he said it in an even more fantastical world he's um he's really kind of amped up everything and like say it's 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 it's, it's
2: you know see it, and i i would say it's the opposite
0: there's, there's an extra thing that super fucks me up with this movie is, I don't know if you guys remember, but the movie From
1: Hell mm-hmm. also came yeah, yeah, yeah. out
0: very close to this. Yeah. And it's basically Johnny Depp playing the same fucking character in a different story. He's not as
2: anxious than the other one, but yeah. he looks almost that's, exactly yeah, the same. Not,
0: not as anxious, and he has a wispy mustache. Like, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. In those two movies there are so intermixed in my brain now that I was like, doesn't this happen? I'm like, oh yeah, no, that's from hell.
1: Wait, oh yeah, this is going to happen. No, that's from hell. <laughs> nah, yeah, that's not really this movie's fault, though.
2: Yeah, so I'm looking at his filmography and I mean, up to this point, like, he's not done anything like super bloody or gory and I feel like yeah, it he just hadn't done anything is unlike...
1: That's it. That's the only difference.
2: No, no, but I'm saying like, we don't we don't see that with him a lot.
1: Yeah.
2: And so when it does happen for me on screen, and I feel like as much as you guys are saying, like he's ramped everything up that he usually does, I feel like it's kind of the opposite. Everything's kind of desaturated. There's not, uh, like I don't see
0: Beetlejuice
2: in this movie.
1: Oh. See, I do. I see this as oh Jesus
0: Christ, the fucking dead man's tree or whatever is about as Tim Burton as something fucking gets.
2: Okay, one tree in the movie, I will give you.
1: No, but yeah, I think the whole thing is very Tim Burton. It's just again, it's he's making a different toned film, right? He's making a horror film, sure, a comedy, but it's it's still that. I don't know, there's that gothic aesthetic that he just coats everything in, and it's just more, it's a heavier coat of it in this movie, and then it's... Important.
2: I would say everything's very gothic, but I would say it's not very Tim Burton-y. Like,
1: the there there is a difference. I totally feel like... It's the same thing, because uh, yeah, modern gothic stuff don't, is just people imitating Tim Burton.
0: I, yeah, I was going to say, and I, and I still disagree with that. I would, if, I would I, disagree I, with I, that, I feel yeah. like if you put this up next to um, some of his other work, like like Corpse Bride and Frankenweenie and, and you know what I mean? Like that, that style of stuff.
2: Okay. But that all came it's, after this. Right.
0: Movie. Right. But I, what I'm saying, it's still, it's still Tim Burton aesthetic. It's just that aesthetic instead of his original stripey stuff. Aesthetic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, I feel like that's kind of what I'm talking about. Cause I'm talking about his filmography up to this point. And maybe I mean, you guys can tell me if you are sort of taking his whole filmography into account. Because I feel like up to this point, like this is a a, more of a departure for him than anything he did before. Right. I remember this. He would do similar stuff after this. Right. But I feel like this is the big one where he, it it doesn't look like a Tim Burton movie up to this point for
0: me. I remember this movie as being his big attempt to do something more serious Mm -hmm. and then seeing it and go, well, he didn't really pull that off. (laughs) He tried to make he tried to make it more serious and he thought more serious was weirdly funny decapitations that seem to happen in this movie over and over again. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I find the idea it's it's one of those things. I, I find this about on the level of horror is like Mr. Boogity.
1: Well, I think this movie <laughs> this movie is very much a tribute to the cartoon version of this story. Oh, when, completely! When riding down those, <laughs> like through the forest, it looks like it's lifted from that cartoon.
2: Especially with the flaming pumpkin at yeah, one but, point, Casper Van Dien throws yeah, at him. Yeah, then, yeah totally.
1: Like, just the way the trees are arched, kind of over the road, creating like a a pathway kind of thing. Mm. It's it's very much borrowing from that, and I think tonally he's trying to make that right. Yeah, um, I think he's trying to create something that's similar, something that would be scary enough that children would like want to watch it but cuddle up next to their parents while they do if that makes sense mm-hmm. I think to, to that extent I think he kind of nails it right like I think having the, having the sword be a, a lightsaber that automatically cauterizes things when he stabs it and cuts into it so there isn't as much blood as there would be in normal decapitations you know I think having I think having the flashback to Christopher Walken as the headless horseman is really helpful because then we know we kind of know what that is, who it is the whole time. And I think mm-hmm. it makes it a little more approachable if you were a younger audience.
2: <laughs> Which Christopher Walken with no dialogue. Again, why bring in pretty
1: Christopher pretty that's Walken a, with no trans- dialogue?
0: That's a, de- that's a decision you can make.
1: Yeah. I, I can't comprehend bringing in Christopher Walken and not having him speak.
0: It is a weird choice.
2: I will give you that. Yeah. That, that casting is a little... Scratch my head
0: a yeah, little. Bit. I was, I was going to say. See, the position I'm in with this movie is, I don't get. I enjoy watching this movie, mm. but I also accept that this is a shitty movie. I enjoy watching this shitty movie in the same way that I enjoy watching lots of shitty movies. See,
1: I don't know mm.
2: about that. See, I don't. I don't feel like it's a shitty movie. I feel like it's halfway decent. It's just not what I was expecting from Tim Burton at this point.
0: God. See, even on rewatches, I'm like. A, and I feel like this, like I said, I feel like this set the precedent for a lot of things. There's the the scene where Johnny Depp's character has to hack through the bloody roots, mm-hmm. and he's kind of doing that weird effeminate slappy chop. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, that's where he made that artistic decision that he's going to do in every fucking movie for the next 35 fucking years, all of which were directed by Tim fucking Burton.
2: He didn't He didn't direct uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs>
0: That's, okay. Sorry. He also did it in the other <laughs> movies that Johnny Depp was in that were not directed. By uh, I, stand, I stand corrected. Johnny Depp can do the same thing when other people.
1: But are. it's not fair to criticize this film because you got sick of what the actor and or the director did in their future projects. Um,
0: well, but the thing is, I didn't like it in this either. that's the whole thing i didn't like it and they kept doing it
1: i think for me it wasn't that i didn't like any one thing it was that when i'm sucked into this world of this just over stylized you know every character is kind of a caricature type world that i find that it's fine for a while as i get towards the end of the movie though i kind of am like we've been doing this a while now and like I, I started to think this is a long movie and then i checked the runtime, and i'm like oh it's it's not actually <laughs> it's a normal length movie but i just anything that's this visually heavy has trouble holding my interest for the full like hour 45 and i think but they bring in kind of the the mystery element of it comes in a little too late and i think so therefore I'm not interested in it by the time it gets there. That's that's my issue with the film. Because at the beginning, when he shows up and he like doesn't want to believe, because he's a man of science, he doesn't want to believe that there's a ghost and he has to eventually learn that there is one and then join the fight against it. And then you go on. And it's like I think that should have happened earlier, just for the sake of moving the, the plot along and spread out some of the dialogue throughout the movie instead of having it be so dialogue heavy in the last half hour.
0: I do love Tim Burton's uh, obvious shorthand of main characters have restrained hairdos and everyone else has giant weird hairdos.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the powdered wigs in this movie are kind of all over the place, especially Jeffrey Jones. What the fuck was up with that style?
1: Jesus, I didn't notice him in the movie.
0: The George Washington skullet.
2: Especially when he got, he's he got those flowing locks like underneath of the fucking powdered wig. If I had hair like that, I would never wear a wig no matter what century it was in.
1: Do we want to talk about the weird um, casting choice to have Christina Ricci be the love interest when there's like a, a 17 or 18 year age gap between the two of them?
2: Yeah, I remember hearing like an interview with her where she talked about how awkward it was because they were like...
1: <sighs> like she's like... They had met yeah, before, I was going to say the fact they had, that they were committing a crime. Well, no, she, well, she there's was that. an adult when, when, when this movie came out. She's like 19 or 20. But,
2: but she had met him when she was like 12 or something. I, and he was like an adult. So I remember she said it was awkward because of that. Yeah.
0: I was going to say, I think this film was released about the time she turned 19, uh, 18. Because I think whenever she was filming it, she was 16 or 17.
1: No. She was very young. I don't think she's that young. I, th- I think if you look at it, you'll figure out that she's around 20 when it was released and therefore probably. But Hold on. I'm, I'm looking at that. she was up. born in 79. When did this come out? 99. So there you go. So she, she was 18 or 19 when they filmed it. It's probably not an actual crime for them to be together. And there probably is something to be said for the fact that in 1799 that age gap would have been less frowned upon than it would be today, but uh, she's born in 1980.
2: Oh. so She would have been 19 when it came out. So possibly 18, maybe yeah. 17 and a half when they filmed it.
1: It's, it's a big age gap for someone that young to be involved in.
2: It is. Um,
1: and it, I think more important than the fact that like we can Google her exact age and look it up exactly how old she was during a kiss scene or whatever, but, it shows on screen. I think it's the bigger thing. Like it looks like he's a lot older than her, and it's like I don't know. Like because sometimes it did,
2: did. They actually kiss at some point. Did I miss I it? So. She kisses him on the cheek at the end when they're arriving in New York. I Thought there was another kiss like a, earlier in the film. There was a couple times they were about to, and then they would get interrupted, especially by his little uh, sidekick that he uh, yeah. picks up.
1: He does just adopt a kid in the middle of this movie. We left that over a plot description. Um, just well, the son of one of the victims just decides to help him out. And then at the end of the movie, when he returns to New York, he just brings the kid with him. But
2: Yeah, but the kid was like 12. Back then, he should have been working in a factory somewhere. We
1: should, we
0: should also mention the weird uh, licking the bloody hand sex scene between Jeffrey Jones and Miranda Richardson. Ooh.
2: <laughs> Gross. You ruined it, Noah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The
2: movie's full of, like, uh, of uh, character actors, like Michael Golf makes an appearance.
0: Christopher fucking so, Lee.
2: Christopher Lee's in it.
0: McDermott. Ian McDermott. If I remember correctly, Christopher Lee's in the fucking opening credits. He's in this movie for three lines. Yeah, but yeah he's the, the judge. Yeah.
1: Lee, you get, you get opening, yeah. opening treatment. That's how it is, right?
0: Yeah, because he's Christopher fucking Lee.
1: <laughs>
0: ah, um, there is a chemical reaction, meaning his head was cut off in a single stroke.
1: Not, <laughs> yeah, that makes no not sense. Exactly, great science. Some of it, like at the beginning of it, when Johnny Depp's character is still in New York, and they pull a the body out of the river, and he's like, "I want to examine the body," and they won't let him do an autopsy. They're like, "We found him in the river, so he drowned." Let's move on. And he wants to check the lungs for thing, and they don't want him to cut him up. I'm like, that's an interesting – like for for a 1799 set film, yeah, that's interesting, the idea of he wants to be a scientist and wants to determine the actual cause of death. And they are – oh, it's heresy to cut up the dead body, so we're not allowed to even investigate how the person died. I I thought that idea was interesting. I don't feel it's particularly well explored.
0: I also do love the fact that in the movie his entire character is I believe in science and I don't believe in magic. And then, like halfway through the movie, he's like, "By the way, my mom did magic," and and you're like, "What? What?
1: That's why he didn't believe." That your
0: whole thing was that you don't believe, but yeah, no, I I understand a reason why rejecting doing magic or rejecting taking part in magic but he knows it exists he's seen a woman fly
1: yeah, it's supposed to be the idea is he's lost his faith and he's got to get it back in order to join the fight that's, that's the idea again i'm not suggesting it's executed perfectly it was yeah i mean it that that idea of a character that has lost their faith and then has to regain it in order to survive that can be done really well it's just not done particularly well here.
3: Mm.
2: Uh, what about Casper Van Dien? Right after this movie, he was banished to direct a video yeah, house for the
0: rest
1: that's of his career. He for being in this. I don't know. <laughs> he's fine. He's pretty inconsequential. I don't think he, uh, <clears throat> I don't think he's great, but I don't think he does anything to hurt himself either.
2: It's pretty sweet though. He gets cut in half.
1: I do like that fight scene where he's like battling the, the uh, headless horseman and the horseman just can't die. Cause He's already dead. And then Johnny Depp rolls up and mm. joins the fight and gets all stabbed up too. And then I'm just like, it's a pretty good fight scene. It's pretty well executed. Mm. It's, you know, that moment where they're like standing there and you can hear him running across the top of the bridge, but you don't know where he is, is pretty cool. Uh, all of it is is well done and I appreciate it. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, Casper Van Dien isn't going to stand out as great in a movie like this, so... Again, no. not a criticism. Just he does. There's. I have nothing negative to say about him. I just also don't really have a lot positive to say about him.
2: Yeah, it's like you're up against Johnny Depp in this movie. It's like Christopher Walken without a head.
1: Well, I, don't, I see. You're that's actually Ray Park playing the body without the head. I believe.
2: No, I know. So. Ray Park's great and everything. I mean, um, I don't know anything else. No, I. Like I said, I, re- I really enjoyed it and forgot how much I enjoyed it until I watched it again. So,
1: yeah, for me, I think I appreciated it more on this rewatch than I have in the past. Um, I think I was more frustrated by the style over substance nature of the storytelling in the past, and now I kind of more accepted it and was willing to run with it. But I think that I think the pacing of the storytelling could have been better, where you have him have him accept the existence of. The horseman earlier, so that the mystery of who's controlling the horseman is spread out through more of the film i think I think mm. that would work better for me, and I think it really hurts the film, how compressed that all falls in at the end, but the mm. action the action that. and the visuals and stuff is all good. I really have no complaints about it
2: mm. oh, there's some spotty c g i throughout yeah. it. I forgot I was going to bring that up sometimes when it's like just the skull, like it doesn't look too bad, but like the witch with the snake coming out of her mouth and the eyes that's, or whatever. I'm just like, Ooh, that's the worst part. It looks that terrible. The worst
1: part by far. And I, I do yeah. think it, um, yeah, I think it really hurts the film quite frankly. Um, the, the bet, the best part of the movie, it, the best visuals of the movie are the more practical effects. And, so even some of the map.
2: Yeah the, the actual the actual headless horseman looks yeah. great. Like I have no question whatsoever that's a horseman riding around without a head.
1: Like it all looks. Yeah, it fantastic. it doesn't have that sort of elongated body that most headless things have in movies, where it's pretty obvious where mm. that, where it went. Kind of. Thing. Thanks for calling the midnight drive-in. No one is
0: here to take your call. For info, check out the Midnight Drive In on Twitter at MN Drive Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you.
1: Thanks for calling. Everybody, watch. A couple thing things. So. Finished Ahsoka? Did you guys finish it? Yes. Yes. It's all right. I liked it. My only real complaint is I'm getting real tired of these TV shows being set up for something else, mm. and it does sort of feel like it got us to a point of like, like, all right, so now you guys are ready to watch a movie about this, right? And I'm like, yeah, but stop doing that. I'm I, like,
0: I. It put me in a weird place because. The first thing I need to say is I I really like Rosario Dawson. Mm-hmm. She is by far the worst thing in that series.
1: Well, calling it Ahsoka is a bit of a mislead, I think, because I think that it's Rebels season five or whatever you want to call it. It's mm-hmm. it really is not about her. It's about continuing the story of all those characters, right? And she, she gets a little shafted in that discussion. Well
0: well but I'm saying more like the way they play her character her character's so just fucking like dry and uninteresting and yeah. this coming from the character from the TV shows which she's kind of like you know broody and dealing with a bunch of shit which kind of makes her interesting I don't I don't know mm-hmm. they like they took away everything that makes that character
2: she's good. sort of become the stoic jedi which she doesn't need to be Right, because she's not that in
1: other stuff. No, but that's the idea—is that they've aged her up and made her into that. Right?
0: That's, yeah, that's
1: what they're going for. Yeah, but at the same time, like, like
0: it. Sabine is older Sabine, but she's still Sabine. Ezra's older Ezra, but he's still Ezra. Like, I—I yeah, d- don't know. <laughs> but, but she's but, older. Older Ahsoka is not Ahsoka anymore.
1: What they're—they're they're trying to do with her is what everybody wanted them to do with Luke. Right, they're trying to make her into an Obi Wan S character.
0: Yeah,
1: I suppose. I kind of I dug
0: the uh, I see calling him Sith is wrong. The anti Jedi, I guess, the yeah. dark Jedi.
2: Ray Stevenson. Yeah, yeah, his character was, was pretty rad. Yeah, of course. going to well, able to Come back.
0: I like his not not malicious. At least, not to you know what I mean. He's not a rage monster like, fuck it, a a rage monster piss baby like Kylo Ren was,
2: sure, or young
0: Anakin was, yeah, which makes him way more interesting. Mm -hmm. It's 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 a a little sad that the best work that Hayden Christensen's got to do is fucking Anakin has been little bit parts in other people's TV series,
2: right?
1: Well, but he's I think he's earning back the respect that. He,
2: well, totally.
1: Not earning back, sorry. He's earning the respect that he wanted yeah. when he took on the role.
2: He's very much shanked. redeeming himself, yeah. which is he, great.
1: Because his stuff here was really good. Um, and that's, I, you know, I mean, I really think it shows that maybe Dave Filoni should run everything. Yep. I did like the
0: spo- spoilers for anyone who hasn't finished it, but I did like the stinger at the end of Anakin as a blue light ghost watching over Ahsoka, and I was like, ooh, setting up possible like later season shenanigans with him coming back to finish training or whatever
1: yeah yeah, I which mean,
0: which I would actually legit be interested in seeing
1: oh yeah I'd, I'd love to watch those two interact more
0: mm-hmm. but
1: yeah I, I mean here's the
0: whole thing th- like th- once they brought in Thrawn you're like yes Thrawn is such a fucking good bad guy because he's so, he's he's like calculated and he doesn't make classic villain mistakes, which is pretty great. You know what I mean? He like doesn't underestimate opponents. He doesn't, he's like, no, we're going to move on with the plan and we're going to take off. Yeah. And there's two of them coming at us and you're going to unload everything we have on them because they're probably going to get through it and we just need to slow them down.
1: Yeah, he's not emotional about it, which is what's great about him. Like, he's just like, we don't need to kill them. We just need, if they, uh, at one point he says something effective, if they get left here or if they die, that's the same result for us. We don't care. And I'm like, that's, that's what makes him so dangerous is that he doesn't take it personal. That he does just, he's, he's very mission oriented.
0: Yeah. I like the, the vibe they went with, with sort of this, uh, instead of just going with space Nazis, which is the traditional empire, it's turning into more like a post Roman, Roman, imperial death cult
2: yeah
0: mm, yeah which i'm super into i'm like yeah yeah like evolve it you know what i mean Do, because you can change it without completely changing it we've still got Stormtroopers; they're still pieces of crap but they have completely different motivations
1: yeah. well i think though too by bringing thrawn back in i think they're gonna really help complete the story and you're gonna see it's gonna make a lot more sense to see the first order arise with having him around to help with the rise.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that's, Which, it, you know, rather. Than- they also did uh, a good job of sort of planning those seeds in the first couple episodes where they're going around to stuff and it's, there's still people working that are like, you know, for the empire. And then, you know, yeah. they get killed afterwards.
1: Yeah. But- the, the idea that there's still empire loyalists out there and that someone like Thrawn is the one that'll be able to bring them back to power makes the most yeah. sense.
0: It, It is fascinating now that the entire art form of Star Wars is becoming making eight-part series that attempt to justify the dumb shit they did in movies. Like it's literally what they're doing. They're writing stories backwards. They're like going, "Fuck! How do we fill in all these holes we made?"
1: They they fucked up when they made that trilogy. I don't think I don't think anybody really can deny that they fucked up the sequel trilogy. Even if you like the movies,
2: yeah, Um, they didn't have a plan. They didn't have a plan.
1: They didn't tell proper stories. They had a lot of the whole like, okay, the first order is just back. The emperor is just back. And then the people who actually give a shit about Star Wars who actually care about it as a story and as a universe are now being tasked with, okay, how do we get from where we were to where we have to be because of what these movies are? Mm -hmm. And they're doing a better job of fixing it than I ever expected.
2: Yeah, because they even show like – what are they called now? They're not the Rebels anymore. Now it's the –
0: The New Republic?
2: Yeah, I guess. I mean – whatever is set up now that's going to lead into whatever the empire essentially was in force awakens the remnant. Yeah. Just, yeah. Whatever like Congress is set up and um, what's her face, the twilight girl, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character, Yeah. when she goes in front of like that Congress, the very small Congress is just like, um, yeah, Thrawn might be coming back and you can travel through hyperspace in these whales and they're like, really? Hyperspace whales? You expect us to believe such things? Pshaw. Well, yeah, And it's like, oh, yeah, they just, they know Jedi's exist and
0: like all this other shit. And they're like, yeah, space whales, like that's a thing. Your entire fleet just saw the space whales. Yeah.
1: No, the, the idea is that the arrogance of those people is going to be the downfall. Yeah. Same which with is, the arrogance of the Jedi was their downfall. It's going to be, yeah. it's, the idea is that this whole thing is cyclical. And they're trying yeah. to set up. They're trying to set up those cycles rather than just what the movies did. Was, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, there was a cycle. Yeah, there was a cycle. No, here we're going to see how those cycles persisted. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and it, once again, I'm very interested in that that evil, not evil Jedi, the anti Jedi guys, whatever he's mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. Because it sounds like his entire plan is like, no Jedi bad, Sith bad, fuck them all. It's yeah. all going to stop.
1: Yeah, like he wants to break the cycle is the idea. I think.
2: Yeah, I watched some video that was deducing that he was looking for some other form of power that he's yeah, been in gods, Star Wars
0: before. The, the gods of Mortis is yeah, what everybody yeah. thinks it's going to be. Yeah, which I I don't know what that is. So it's from like a two arc episode thing in one of the cartoon series that wasn't super popular. Yeah. Basically, there is a planet that exists in another dimension that's essentially like a hell dimension kind of, and there are these weird God creatures that live in it. I don't know. It's
1: it wasn't good. It's
0: really outside of what star Wars normally is.
1: Yeah. But I think they're, they're expanding the universe to include more and more of this mythos from the cartoons. The idea being that we're going to explore the force in more ways than simply light and dark, that there's going to be other versions of force users who are neither Jedi nor Sith. So, I'm looking forward to that idea. I think it's interesting the idea that the idea that it's you're not pure evil or pure good, which has traditionally been the Sith versus Jedi thing.
0: David Tennant's character is just ever increasingly becoming my favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that droid.
1: Yo, who I and, love that guy. And understand. I don't
0: know if they've completely established it yet, but he arguably is the oldest character in all of Star Wars.
1: Yeah, they've they've essentially said that. Yeah.
0: So. He's real yeah, yeah. old. I I think it's like twenty five thousand years or something like, yeah, crazy they, like that at this point.
1: I um I loved the little turtle guys. We should probably mention those little turtle guys. <laughs> They're pretty fucking cool. I just I thought they were great.
0: The little alien peel bug guys.
1: Yeah, They're just uh, they were amazing. I love that they just kept hiding in their shells, and then their ships are just essentially bigger shells. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, they were good.
1: Yeah, I'm
0: into it. And I'm into the fact that they did Jedi shit in this show without pulling a fucking Kenobi shit. You know what I mean? They didn't ramp up all the Jedi's powers to some psychotic extent and be like, nope, now we need to have a Jedi god fight. Just Jedi's doing Jedi stuff.
2: Yeah, they at least have one character that's still not even sure she can even use the Force that well. Right. Which is still like an interesting thing where we're used to seeing obi-wan kenobi and darth vader literally throw boulders at each other
0: right that's what i'm saying (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. watching them struggle with a power is much more interesting than watching them do giant fucking anime-esque dragon ball z bullshit Mm -hmm. and
2: then you have people like ezra who's just like oh no the force is my power but his power is literally just throwing people into stuff it's not like you know picking up like those uh, turtle houses and dropping them on people—it's like no, no. I'll just push these stormtroopers into it and knock them out, and that's good enough
1: for the moment. Yeah, yeah I think I think the idea is these people don't have the same level of power as what Obi
2: Wan and Anakin. Yeah, fight. yeah, that's, sure. It's good. It's just it's it's visually just more interesting than yeah. oh they're throwing planets planets at each other. Okay,
1: <laughs> I don't I don't I, I can't complain about that fight in Obi Wan. So it was it
0: was a I good got, fight, we, we, but. <laughs> I know, I know. You guys like it. And in next season, they're going to be in Gurren Logan suits, throwing Saturn's rings at each other with their Let's, Force Gurren can Logan we, can suit we just, powers. Can we
1: just oh, Noah can just do his rant about Jedi's being too powerful for a minute, and then I'll log in after, so I don't have to listen to it. Because <laughs> I get it, I get. It, like your point's been made.
0: Anyways, moving on. So the, mm-hmm. it was fine. The show was fine. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I said, it's weird that Ahsoka was the worst part of Ahsoka, but, and that everything else was great. The, the one thing I'm really <laughs>
1: interested in, which I think is going to be with Sabine now developing the Force powers, we could end up with our only, in the second time in history, an actual Mandalorian Jedi, right? Which could be, you talk about somebody being overpowered, that could be insane if she actually develops full Force abilities. So that could be interesting. I could see them carrying that for a future episode or a future movie.
0: Yeah. That would be dope. And then maybe like Grogu could become her apprentice, which would be interesting. Which would explain where Grogu is instead of with Luke. Instead
2: of with Mando?
1: Yeah, Grogu's well, I'm where is this timeline wise I get a little confused.
2: I think there's it's supposed to be running concurrently with the Mandalorian timeline.
1: Well, I think Jen eventually
0: Jen has to die, right? Does he? I don't know. Well, because the, the whole point of his character is he's supposed to be the the nameless gunman Western character, which traditionally that's a, that's the way that that character dies.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, to be, f- I mean, I guess so. Uh, yeah, from what you're saying, yeah. Um,
1: but I also think they the way they ended that last season where he could just it could, that could,
2: that could, could just be, just be his be ending. Be yeah,
1: yeah, he could just be done. He could just be retired
2: right now. Because <laughs> I think Dave Filoni and Favreau said the Jin doesn't have to necessarily be the Mandalorian on the Mandalorian. They could pick up with another Mandalorian character from the now reformed group on Mandalore, or Bo Katan could take it over or something.
1: Yeah, like there's no. I I think that maybe his story is told at this point, and having him <laughs> off to the side where you can go get him when you need him is the right thing to do. I think the the idea that he's just there doing odd jobs for Carl Weathers. And then, you know, when there's a big battle and you're going to need firepower, you have this very strong, powerful, capable soldier off to the side that'll show up when you need him. Is a good idea. Or they could come up with something really cool for him to do in a new season. And as long as it's done yeah. well, I'm down with either way.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. So then I watched uh, episode one of Loki. Oh, yeah. It, it was pretty good. I'm, I'm into it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I had a good time with it. It was good to see uh, um, Short Round because I can't remember his actual name.
1: His actual name is Short Round. That's you're allowed to call him that. Uh, Ob
2: in this movie or in this show?
1: His name was Short Round in the
0: show. Actually, Do you, oh okay. The
1: fact that the fact
0: that they have Short Round essentially doing the Short Round voice for that character.
2: Is <laughs> uh, is that not
1: does it feel?
0: Did that feel? really close to being racist, where you're like, well,
2: (laughs) is that just his voice?
1: Yeah, I think maybe you're the racist one. I think you're the one making fun of his accent right now.
0: Uh, It's his accent. Very exaggerated, if you've ever heard him give an interview. I
2: think he's just, his character is very enthusiastic in this. And when it comes across, it comes across as short round. Doesn't quite as come across as data, but very short round.
1: Because data yeah. sounded a lot more like short round when he got all worked up too, though, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a, I don't know. It's a, the whole setup's interesting, where they're kind of finding the marks of Kang all over the uh, TVA now. Mm-hmm.
2: Whereas uh, I do like it that they, which uh, I guess somewhat spoiler, it's not really, but um, that the cliffhanger we left on at, at the end of last season really wasn't like a cliffhanger it's just oh no that was in the past so nothing really changed it's just all that stuff was hidden and nobody remembers it yeah
0: Yeah, whereas it felt like he i like i like the split in the tva that's happening Where like mm -hmm. half of them are like no what we were doing was wrong and that the the other half are like yeah we're gonna go commit a holocaust now
1: yeah it's it's interesting That split. I just my concern is the same concern I had with season one, which is that it's these huge things happening, and it doesn't feel quite like there's enough emphasis being put on these big decisions. But we'll see; might get better.
2: Well, rumors are that TVA is going to show up in Deadpool three, also.
1: Well, there's there are
0: rumors that Deadpool and Wolverine are going to show up in this season of Loki. Pos- possibly in like a post credit stinger type thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't
1: think they're going to mix the Deadpool universe fully in with anything else. But I think it. Yeah, like all those little uh, like cameos and stuff could be fun. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, yeah. We'll see what we'll see. it'll be interesting. It's it's interesting to see where it goes. I don't. I don't know. I'm. I the the, the after credits of episode one was a little like odd. It's like oh cool she's it's eighties and she's at Wendy's or whatever it's
2: McDonald's yeah
0: yeah fun exciting yeah,
2: yeah. So there's a new episode up right now debuted while we were recording
0: I thought I thought it comes out on Thursdays I thought it was Tuesdays am I wrong either way I'm whatever. pretty sure it's Tuesdays well sweet then I got an episode to watch tomorrow. Uh, and then the only other thing I watched this week is my wife, who is the most beautiful, wonderful person I know, randomly put on <laughs> Ernest Goes to Camp the other day without without me prompting her, which, which makes uh, me so fucking happy.
1: She's
2: learning. Well,
0: and guess what? Ernest Goes to Camp, still dope.
1: Uh, that oh. holds up, does it?
0: It's pretty great. All, all, all Ernest stuff holds up. Does it, though? It's Jim,
1: it's Jim Barney, man. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not
2: saying he's not great, but...
1: I, I bet Uranus Goes to Camp holds up better than the other stuff. That's my take.
2: Well, I'm about to hurt your feelings, Doug. What? Turns out Noah's right. It comes out... Loki comes out on Thursdays.
1: So. It's yeah, fine. I'll watch it on Thursday. Victory! <laughs> you're not hurting me in any way with that. I'm the one that's least excited for the show of the three of us, so...
2: Yeah, but I know how much you hate it that Noah's right over you.
1: To be fair, I just agreed with you so that I'd be against Noah, so.
0: <laughs> Oh, Hold on, right. just let me just let me soak this in for a second. Mm, being right feels so good. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: <laughs>
1: Congratulations on remembering a date better than the rest of us.
0: So, so, anyways, Ernest goes to camp. There's there's parachuting turtles. You guys remember? It's great. <laughs> the, the, the movie ends with what is quite possibly a mass. Uh, a mass event of terrorism perpetrated by children, mm-hmm. which is crazy. It's yeah, crazier rewatching yeah. it as an adult. I was like, it, "Oh my
1: god!" It was the eighties, man. That's what happened. Kids were allowed to commit terrorist acts; it yeah. made them heroes.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say they they set fire to and explode a lot of things.
1: Yep, yeah. but those guys were gonna try to tear down their camp or whatever, so makes it okay.
2: Did you know, Noah, that every year I don't know the date. It's already passed this year. There is a earnest celebration down at where the campgrounds is for that movie.
0: That's fabulous.
2: A friend of mine is down in Tennessee. A Friend of mine had an earnest podcast. where They reviewed all the movies, reviewed all the unmade movies, interviewed a shit ton of people from the movies, and they would go every year. And then they just wrapped up their podcast. This year was their last trip down there.
0: What was it called
2: Hey Vern, It's Me podcast? <laughs> no, but that is a good title though. It started out as the importance of watching Ernest, and then became the Ernest P. World Preservation Society by the time it was over.
0: Yeah. Anyways, it was it was delightful. But that's that's it. Besides that, we watched a bunch of episodes of King of the Hill, which were pretty great.
2: Yeah, I never got into that show.
0: Watched watched the last episodes of uh, Only Murders in the Building.
2: Yep. one that?
0: Which is consistently good each season. That's it. What'd you watch, Dad?
1: Uh, let's see. I'll get it out of the way. I, I rewatched Monster Squad since we're talking about childhood favorite films. Hell yeah! So you guys, you guys, want to guess if I liked it or not? <laughs> they, have a, oh.
2: they have a new 4K coming out.
1: How did those?
0: How did those cringes feel of the the liberal use of ah, the yeah. pejorative?
1: It's funny because one, <laughs> one of the reasons I watched it because I was thinking, like, maybe this would be a good one to sit down and watch with my kid. And I'm like, I could just explain to him that the language is inappropriate I and mean, that he's not allowed to repeat the things. But then I'm like, nope, there's just too much of it. <laughs> it's, mm. it's, I wonder
2: if there's a TV cut out there somewhere you could find.
1: I don't think they would have edited some of that stuff out on TV back then,
2: though. You don't think so?
1: No, not enough of it. Not enough of us to get down to something I'd show my kids, so... <laughs> just... Mm. but because even the shit like like rudy smoking to look cool and stuff mm. like i'd have to like pause the movie and have a conversation with my child when that happened because like he grows up in a world where he sees grown-ups smoking and he walks up to them and tells them to stop because it's gross like it's i
0: mean <laughs> the fact that the cool kid hangs out with them specifically because he figures out that their tree house is the perfect vantage to uh violate the privacy of a teenage girl
1: that's not true. He hangs out with them and he finds out that it's the perfect <laughs> spot to violate her privacy. It's not. He doesn't just hang out with them because of that.
2: He's well, it's Rudy. There. He's it's so cool. He
1: out, so. Well, and the whole thing about whether she's a virgin or not. I'm like, I don't want to have that discussion with a child. Anytime
0: <laughs> <soon>.
1: <laughs> Steve doesn't count. Why doesn't Steve count?
0: You know, it would have been a way darker movie is if they were like, oh, no, she's not a virgin. And the little girl read it and it didn't work either. Oh fuck! <laughs> what the fuck? She's, She's, <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! So
1: we just got the, the cop dad starts taking notes for the sequel movie where he has to arrest the her parents. Uh, that,
2: that that was his daughter.
1: Oh shit! You're right.
2: <laughs> hey, mummy came in my room.
1: Yeah, creature ate my Twinkie. Well, let's. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fun kids movie. Why did I have to do that to? Him? My name is Horace. Right?
2: No, you know, it's my name ch- ch- is Horace. Come on. You got to get the, you got to cock the gun in there because ch- children using guns to kill monsters is cool. It is. No, I would have to, or Doug would have to explain that to his kid too.
1: No, that part would be fine with. <laughs> um, yeah. That's my only criticism of monster squad remains that the creature is a bit underused, but to be fair, most of the movie doesn't take place in water. So I guess it's kind of tough yeah. that way. It okay. is.
0: It's a, it's a, it's always especially frustrating because it's the best looking creature in any movie. <laughs> I still
1: prefer the original design from the original movie. But, uh, oh, see, I I,
0: I like the Monster Squad one because they managed to uh, articulate the face a little more. Yeah. and the original, still kind of it's it's got a little rubber face problem.
1: Yeah, it's, but it's a little more human looking, which is what I appreciate about. it. Makes it make a little more sense when it starts wanting to bang that chick. Um, but we'll do a deeper analysis about the creature of the Black Lagoon wanting to have sex with the human woman on a future show. I do I do think, like, I, I, I'm sure I've said this before, but, like, it's one of the best representations of the classic monsters ever in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, Dracula, great. Frankenstein, great. Werewolf, great. Mummy, great. Like, just all around like i don't think there's been anything since the universal classics that have managed to recapture the feel of those monsters better than this has
3: yeah
2: which is a bummer because i mean they took it to universal because they wanted to use the classic versions of them yep. and universal passed
1: but i mean they kind of just did anyway like
2: <laughs> yeah i mean they had, but they had to change up some of the different aspects of them and like, stuff
1: like, like what's really changed the creature, obviously, is the one where it's the most noticeable changes, but yeah. Dracula is basically
2: uh, the same. Frank, think... some of Frank's stuff is, like, they couldn't use the flathead. They had to use a more rounded one, yeah. and the bolts are in a different place.
1: But it still looks really cool.
2: Sure. It all looks great. Like, I'm perfectly happy with it. I just wish there was a way to see, that, like, an alternate version with, like, all the Universal Classic ones in it yeah. and have both exist just so I could pique that curiosity.
1: I don't know. I, I have trouble saying anything about like Monster Squad except for the language stuff.
2: Oh, I agree with you.
1: Except for the like it's... inappropriateness of being from the 80s. I, I have trouble <laughs> being negative about it. But I just, I mean, I love the portrayal of Dracula. I think it's great. Frankenstein is so sympathetic in it. The worst part of Monster Squad is that there wasn't 20 sequels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I would love to see more, but it's also part of me thinks... Lightning in a bottle. I don't know if you were... Oh, what the hell! That's that's what you get for a minor criticism
0: of my idea.
2: Of... <laughs> Jesus Christ! What are you doing? What are you barking at? Is there what, is there a, a stray cat walking through the neighborhood? How dare it! <sighs> Sorry, Monster Squad's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. In my in my not real. Uh, mystery world that exists only in my head there were many sequels and they slowly got more and more adult as they went on <laughs> and so by the end it was like the monster squad taking on Freddy and Jason and the Cenobites it just gets darker and darker I
1: don't know if we need to go there <laughs> <laughs> the uh, you... Cenobites, so I'm not sure I'd be interested but
2: did you follow it up with the documentary Wolfman's got Nerves?
1: no I've seen that though we've talked about it before <laughs> I know, yeah, but it's, still. It's great. I just, yeah. Um, I followed it up with a trip to the theater to see The Exorcist, the original.
2: Oh, yeah. You've pulled the trigger, huh? I was
1: real excited to see the original Exorcist in screens, and it did not disappoint. Like, mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I haven't seen the movie in a little while, and not that long, I guess, but, man, it holds up so well. It's oh. such a like fucking near-perfect movie.
2: You went and saw the old one. I yep. thought you were saying you saw the one. No, no,
1: no, no. Well, see, the plan was go see the old one, and then the next day, go see the new one. Mm-hmm. And then the old one was so fucking good, and I just, I couldn't do it. I couldn't go see the new one. I'm like, they're I just can't, they're going to fucking ruin it. I'm going to be so upset. But see,
2: original or uh, extended cut?
1: Uh, original cut. Okay. So, I was just curious. Yeah, no, I just it took me a second to think about it. But, um, man, it was fun, too, because I've, I've said this before, but, like, our host cinema is right down by the university. So when you go, you'll get like a young crowd. And oftentimes I mm-hmm. think it's people who've never seen this movie. So you get to watch the movie and watch the reactions of the crowd along with it. And like, there's a subtle moment in the exorcist. I don't know if you guys remember this cause it's kind of a quiet thing, but the 12 year old girl stabs herself in the vagina with a cross repeatedly then tries to force mm-hmm. her mother to perform oral sex in her, then turns her head around 180 degrees all within about 35 seconds of each other. So, I don't, I don't know if you remember those subtle little moments in the movie, but because it's such a well made film, it does all that, and then there's like furniture flying around the room and shit, and then it just cuts hard to like a silent moment to give you a moment to process. And when that happened, I just heard someone in the audience go, Holy shit. And I'm like, that's the perfect reaction. <laughs> and then later, when like when she's like floating above the bed, I could just like it wasn't it wasn't like a loud audience, like the kind of audience where you're annoyed with them. It was, but somebody just went, "Oh my!" Like they like they couldn't hold it in. And I'm like, this this audience is reacting perfectly to these moments. They even laughed out loud at she, the like. The she says your
0: mother and sucks thing. cock in hell, and somebody in the back of the theater went, "No."
1: <laughs> Well, see, the thing is, those moments with a shitty audience would evoke laughter, but they didn't. The only moments that evoked laughter was, like, a couple of the, like, vomit moments and stuff, which, it's fine. You're allowed to laugh at those. (laughs) It's it's funny to watch vomit get thrown in a person's face. (laughs) So, I, like, I, that movie is so good. We talked about, like, uh, what, Sleepy Hollow being, like, about a guy that, like, lost his faith and has to kind of get it back in order to fight the battle, like, Talk about the perfect execution of that storyline as The Exorcist. I mean, just watching that priest go through that, go through that transition from like having lost his faith and being in that crisis, not understanding what to do, to finally like gaining it back and then using that faith to sacrifice himself is just—it's such a great character arc. And uh, I love everything about that movie. It's so well executed. I'm so glad they made it when they made it when you were allowed to like take time with characters and get to know people and you know all that kind of shit because it's so important that we get to know all the people in this movie and while you're getting to know them you're not sure why it's important yet so i always forget too how good the performance is from what's her name that plays the mom she's like she is just driven insane in this movie while she watches her daughter be go through this and it's just like it's such an excellent performance, and every time she's like in a room with like doctors or priests, and they keep trying to like calm her down, and she just keeps snapping and like going nuts at them because she just does not know what to do, and nobody nobody can help her. Basically, it's not that nobody will help her; they don't know how. And it's it's utter insanity. So it, it's it's a near perfect horror film. Even manages to tack on a happy ending at the end, where you're like, I mean, sure, our lead character jumped out a window killing himself but still happy ending um yeah i like it all
2: just followed up with part three
1: no i followed it up with nothing i because for the original plan was to go see the the new legacy sequel and then i'm like i i can't I even like i was messaging you guys about it and stuff like trying to convince myself whether i should go or not and I eventually just didn't um and then i'm like well maybe i'll watch like exorcist 2 because i don't know if i've ever seen that like i'll start and finish and then I'm like, yeah. I feel like maybe I'll watch that sometime when it's been longer since I watched this.
2: Yeah, two is not good.
1: And then three, like, three's good, but it's...
2: Oh, I really like three.
1: It's not a great sequel to this movie, I don't think, necessarily. So.
2: It's got uh, the priesthood
1: again. Yeah, I'm not saying it doesn't have returning characters. I'm just saying. Right. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I really felt like after watching The Exorcist, like I'm just like, I don't think I should watch any more Exorcist films. I feel like that ought to just be a standalone film.
2: What about The Exorcist TV show?
1: I've never seen any of it. I've heard good things.
2: But... Uh, I watched most of the first season. Well, what about The
1: song.
0: XX Exorcist? The porn pins?
2: <laughs>
1: we don't have time to get into my detailed review of that on this shorter show, so <laughs> I'll start a separate podcast for those discussions. Um, yeah, so I ended up the next day like I stressed, like I was literally pacing, and I was trying to decide whether to go see the sequel or not because <laughs> I take things way too seriously. And then I ended up just watching a bunch of Treehouse of Terror episodes. So
2: it's probably the better choice.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I I don't. Know. It just the more I think back to those Halloween sequels, the more I think that those people should be banned from making films. So. <laughs> It's just my subtle opinion, you know. I'm a pretty pretty rational, calm, provoking guy, so just make a law that they're not allowed to make movies anymore. Um, next thing I watched, you guys might appreciate this, a, a Christopher Lambert film called Resurrection.
0: There can be only one.
1: Well, see, that's why I was going to say you guys would appreciate it, because this movie decides to explain the accent. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently he's from Louisiana. That's where the accent comes from if you guys are wondering so which I the only
0: one Cajun Gumbo Creole <laughs> I've, been,
1: I've been to I've been to New Orleans and that's where this character supposedly from and no one there talked like that but in this movie no. they suppose that he's from New Orleans and he's um, and that's why he speaks that way um, but anyway the movie is he plays a a former New Orleans cop now a Chicago cop who is um, on the trail of a serial killer that takes body parts and he eventually figures out that the serial killer is rebuilding the uh, body of Christ. So you guessed it, this is an Easter movie. He's please play just to have the body rebuilt on by Easter so the body can be resurrected. Um
0: this that sounds great.
1: It's honestly it's really quite good. Uh, the gore effects are really good. It's the tension is quite good. There's a lot of Kind of dark moments where they're finding the bodies and doing the, the investigations and all this. Um, if you're wondering, like, is this just a ripoff of seven? Like, yeah, obviously it's just a ripoff of seven. Like, you should have been able to tell that by my plot description. Um, it's to the extent that there's a moment where he, like, has a run in with the uh, serial killer and the serial killer, like, bests him and knocks him down and runs off. And I'm like, okay. It's a little much that he's wearing khaki pants, a white dress shirt, a tie, and a black leg leather jacket in this scene, because you don't actually have to dress like Brad Pitt to rip off a Brad Pitt movie. Like it's... <laughs> but in a world where, like this movie came out in 1999, so in a world where there was probably a bunch of 7 ripoffs, the fact that this one's good is like, it's fine. Like you're, You know what I mean? Successful <laughs> films get ripped off. The fact that this one is actually good is important david cronenberg is in it uh there's just an acting role not not anything behind the scenes but um yeah
2: i always like when he just pops up
1: yeah he plays like a he he plays like christopher lambert there's a side actually there's a little side plot where he's lost his faith and he has to try to regain it because he lost his faith after the death of his child Um, that side plot is not executed particularly well but cronenberg plays his priest which is kind of fun to see him on screen and uh yeah i uh, i honestly i would recommend it if you're interested in this kind of like dark serial killer crime type film I don't know if it would quite qualify under like horror category because there's nothing like supernatural going on but it it gets real dark towards moments like at the end when i guess minor spoiler the last thing they have to do is um kidnap a baby that was born on Easter to a mother named Mary. So the cops are running around hospitals trying to find a a mother named Mary and serial killer is trying to steal one of the babies. That's where it starts. And then it gets dark after that. It gets, I don't know. I don't know (laughs) if you guys want spoilers or not, but Hmm. all right. All right. Fine. Since you, since you didn't say not to spoil it, there's (laughs) there's a moment in this scene where the fucking serial killer is tracked down by the cop, played by Christopher Lambert, and he is dangling a newborn baby off the side of a building on the roof, standing there in the rain, saying, like, go ahead, try to arrest me, and I'll drop this baby. <laughs> and it mm. it looks entirely too real to feel comfortable watching that scene. You're just like, he's just dangling this little baby, and you're like, "That, please don't drop that baby. Did you use a real baby for this? Because... <laughs> The He's gonna ends, drop that baby. I, I don't feel like Mysterious you should throw case case up being myself. delivered, and Christopher Lambert going, "What's
0: in the case? In
1: the case? <laughs> <laughs> it is a surprisingly good performance from Lambert. I'll say that. Um, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of him as an actor. This is a much better performance than I expected. It's much more subtle. He still has the accent, but what are you gonna do? That's like I don't. Apparently, he can't get rid of it, so. And it's from the director of uh, Highlander too, so they kind of are reuniting for this. Mm. But yeah, it's a it's I don't know. I can't believe I'm recommending a seven ripoff to you guys, but I am.
2: <laughs> Especially with Christopher Lambert. Yeah,
1: like I stumbled across it in like some video about like underseen like '90s movies or something, and like all the other ones I'd either seen and not liked or looked really stupid. So then I watched this one because I'm like. <laughs> Well, it's the only one that looks halfway good on this list. And what am I gonna do? Look up another list. So <laughs> I just watched it, and I'm like, "Holy shit! I can't believe that was good." Uh, and the last thing I watched was the movie "Burying the X," which is the uh, it's um, you know those movies where the girlfriend comes back to life and still wants to be in a relationship <laughs> with the boyfriend. This is the one that Joe Dante oh, the, made.
2: The old yarn?
1: Yeah. This is the one that Joe Dante made, though. So I had some high hopes for it. Um, and it stars Anton Yelchin, which, generally speaking, is a great thing. R.I.P. Yeah. I would say the movie is the definition of okay. It's fine. <laughs> It's one of those ones where you're like I like a lot of stuff's happening where I'm like I feel like they want me to be laughing out loud. I'm not gonna laugh out loud, but I'm not like I'm not bothered by what's happening. It just kind of it's just happening, and uh, I don't know. At one point, there's a, a Dick Miller cameo, and I got all excited for that. It's only like a couple of minutes long, <laughs> but yeah, I mean the basic plot is that Anton Yelchin is this like real horror nerd guy and he's, his girlfriend is Ashley Green, and she's, like, she's like really overwhelming, and she's a feminist, and she's a, an environmentalist and a vegan and all that kind of shit, right? Mm. Like, shorthand for annoying. And uh, <laughs> he's about to break up with her, and while well, like, he's, like, standing there waiting for her to cross the street to break up with her, she gets uh, hit by a bus. So then <laughs> she's dead. Um, so he starts striking up her relationship with, like this other chick who's like more his style, more into like the horror shit and all that. And that's her name. She's famous too, but I have no idea who she is. Her name's is Alexandra D'Addario or something to that effect. Oh yeah. She's like, she's famous enough that when I saw her face, I'm like, that's a famous chick, but I don't know her from anything.
2: She was in the first season of true detective. She was, she was on white Lotus. I've never seen she was her. the one that uh, Woody Harrelson was having an affair with. On true detective. Oh, really? Okay. She's one of the main characters on this first season of White Lotus. Um, she's in one of the Texas Chainsaw reboots. Well,
1: we won't hold that against her. It's not her fault. Right. I actually felt bad for her. I thought she had like the not as good a role. Like I think she should have been given the, the Ashley Green role and been allowed to come back as a zombie and stuff because I think she was a better actress for this type of film. Mm-hmm. Basing it strictly on their performances in this since I don't remember if many of those other things you're talking about. Yeah. But I think it would have been more fun to watch her be, like, the overwhelming zombie girlfriend who's, like, running around the
2: house. Oh, yeah. She was in the uh, Baywatch movie with The Rock.
1: Never saw it. You know,
2: that classic.
1: (laughs) Never saw it. Sorry. (laughs) But, yeah, a lot of the humor in this film comes from the idea that, like, his new girlfriend is showing up and his zombie girlfriend is, like, in the apartment. And it's like, oh, oh, they might meet each other like it's fucking Three's Company or something. But... (laughs) One of them's a zombie, so that makes it funnier. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like maybe this script sucked, but because Joe Dante directed it, it turned out okay. That's my yeah. that's my feeling on it. It's like it's more like they just were able to kinda capture just enough fun moments and stuff to make me not hate it. But I because what was that other one I watched that had uh, do you guys remember me talking about one very similar to this a while back? No. Uh whichever one it was. I liked it better,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I had, had Opry I mean, Plaza as the girl that came back from the dead, And I feel like was uh, be better fun. off
2: Deb or night of the living Deb or something
1: like yeah, that. Yeah. Something like something to that effect. I guess I should have looked that up before I brought it up randomly in conversation, but yeah, it was better. And I think it was better because it had Aubrey Plaza and this had Ashley Green. I think that's the primary difference. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I mean, if you're interested in that sub, that really specific subgenre of films that somehow exists, I'd watch. I'd <laughs> watch both. It was fine.
2: Night of the Living Deb?
1: That doesn't feel right. All right. Well, that's the last thing yeah. I watched. So oh. you start telling us about something you watched, and I'll look that movie up, and then I'll yell the title randomly while you're trying to make
2: a point. Well, the only thing I watched was uh, I went to theater and watched Saw X. Um, turns out it does not cross over with F- fast X, which was a little disappointing. No, it's not. Um, but I actually enjoyed it. Um, takes place between parts one and two. One of the refreshing things is they do not try to de-age anybody. So any characters that you may have seen in other movies, they're just like, yeah, they're supposed to be, you know, their age 20 years ago, but they just look like they look now. So <laughs> nice. Just just deal with it.
1: See, I don't know if that's good or bad. I like I'm. I don't want them to necessarily try to go with the full um, Marvel de aging, but I don't know if I'm 100% glad that they didn't just give him some makeup or something to make him look a little
2: younger. Well, I mean, they do give him some makeup and stuff, but I mean, I don't know. There's a character from one of the first couple of movies that's in it, and it's like, oh, it's been 20 years, and then you're like, yeah, sh-. they're they're a little bit older, and they just put. They, they put some makeup on, but they did no effort into uh, any digital digital nip tucks or anything. So,
1: okay. it's just like eh, all right, fair enough. Life after Beth, by
2: the way. Life after Beth—that's yeah. what it was. So, um, I liked it. They uh, they make uh, jigsaw a jigsaw a victim of some sort, which is interesting, and um, he gets to uh, get revenge on people, which makes it very satisfying when everybody dies. Which spoiler alert! It's a fucking saw movie. Everybody always dies. Everybody
1: dies in a saw movie, right? Or any of the deaths kind of gory.
2: Oh yeah, they're all super gory.
0: And then the twist is that there's no twist. It just just goes into the next movie.
2: There is a twist, but I mean it's it's not a surprising twist whatsoever.
0: Time travel. It's time travel. I It's
2: a time travel. Dude, if Saw went into time travel, I'd be so happy. I'd go back and watch the ones I haven't watched. That'd be real. Like it turns out, it was all. It was all time travel.
0: Like, like I said, t- tell me it ends with Tobin Bell being frozen and waking up on a spaceship, and I'd be really
2: happy. <laughs> yeah, but then he wouldn't be around for uh, part two. Time travel. <laughs> all right, fair enough.
1: I don't feel. For the record that there should be no trouble in the Saw series.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I don't feel the franchise should have continued after Saw 2, but here we are.
2: Yeah, that's probably a fair assessment. Um, I, I did find a meme that I posted on my Facebook about how Tobin Bell was hired to lay on the floor for two weeks in the first movie, and somehow now he's a horror icon. Okay.
1: Hey, man. You try laying still to wall, all that shit going on.
0: <laughs> hey, Do- Tobin Bell uh, appeared in many one-shot episodes of various sci-fi franchises.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I remember seeing him in an episode of Seinfeld once. I was like, Kramer, you better watch yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like Tobin Bell was one of those people who he he did a lot of work, but it was all just like. Character work, you know what I mean? Individual character
2: work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Saw X, I would say it's worth it. It's worth the watch if you were at least a fan of the first, like, two or three. Um, I know. I don't think I ever made it past part five. Um, but, you know, it was good. I actually enjoyed it, which surprised me.
1: Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the
2: near future. All right, so supposedly next week we're doing two thousands movies from famous director Guillermo del Toro.
0: I was, I was getting ready to say, well, this knowing this list, it's movies that typified the two thousands by David Cronenberg, Equilibrium and his nineteen seventy four <laughs> classic. <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> uh, uh, that's funny. Uh, instead of
1: next week came after the year 2000 they both count
2: uh we're doing two Guillermo del Toro movies which i it's one of my favorite directors so it's hard to argue we're doing devil's backbone and pan's labyrinth which are very much brother sister films and uh spoiler alert both are fantastic
1: so i'm curious to hear you expand on the concept of them being brother and sister films after we watched both
2: okay i mean that's what Guillermo del Toro called them
1: so,
2: yeah. so I win, I win just by that alone, right? I didn't say you're wrong. <laughs> calm down, man. I'm How dare you? I said, what the fuck, Doug? Interested. What the fuck, man?
1: For the first time, I, I, I said I'd be interested in something, something else I had to say on this podcast, and I get attacked for it. <laughs> I'm 90% sure yeah. I've never seen Telus.
2: Really? It's a good one. It's the one, it's, it's the one he went back to Mexico to make after, after deal with the fucking Weinstein's on mimic <laughs>
3: he's
2: like fuck this shit i'm going back to mexico and then makes like a beautifully uh fantastic movie he's weird. For, the,
0: for the fact that i generally enjoy movies of his whenever i watch them i mm-hmm. there's like a lot of
2: mm. well get to correct that next week okay. uh by the time this goes up i actually sat in on a friend of mine's podcast uh, skewered universe um and we did he was doing del toro movies all month and we did talk about the giant mess that is mimic because okay. jesus christ the Weinstein's scenes fucking suck
1: well we're gonna get to mimic on this podcast one day too because i still do oh, yeah. want to see it
2: it's on the list i think that's a uh, giant bug week yeah i think i haven't lined up with starship troopers
1: <laughs> which i'm not sure how totally similar those
2: films are giant bugs that's all you need I mean, if you can come up with uh, ones for better better suggestions for either one of them, well,
1: I would have to do both because they're both on the list. We can't take them off the list. So, yeah.
2: What other uh, Del Toro movies have you not seen, Noah?
0: Uh, never seen. I never watched any of The Strain. Never watched Crimson Peak. Never saw The Shape of Water, which is really weird because The Shape of Water is one <laughs> that I keep being like,
1: I really want to watch that movie, and then I never watch it.
2: You should watch it.
1: Yeah, watch it by next week so that
0: you have something to talk about. Uh, I don't think I'll have time because between work being bullshit and uh, this weekend I'm hosting a murder mystery party.
2: Uh, (laughs) What's the theme? Uh,
0: It takes place aboard a 1935 luxury train traveling across Europe. Oh, you're
2: just doing it in your house?
0: Uh no, actually we're doing it up at the game store and we decided mm-hmm. to sell tickets and include a dinner with it. And shockingly mm. it sold out in like a day. And I was like, Well fuck, now I have oh. now it has to actually be good. This is bullshit.
2: Do you have a fat kid like out the window just sweeping branches by the window so it looks like you're on a train and you're just flying by? I just
1: I by kind of, I kind of need that. Somebody, somebody's just like wait a second we've driven by the same tree someone's
0: <laughs> just Evan running around with one of those wooden train whistles woo,
1: woo. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah just have a record going of like sounds like you're on train tracks and then when it stops somebody has to run over flip the record over and keep going
0: I bought I bought myself a, a $6 uh, pocket watch and chain and a conductor hat Nice. Oh, God.
1: Please don't post pictures of yourself in a conductor.
2: Head. Please do. Uh, a friend of mine did one once for his birthday and it was Western themed. And, uh, I got to be the person that got killed. Nice. Which I didn't know. until I went into the bathroom, you know, they got the little letters all set up.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I went and looked and it's like, Oh no, you've been killed.
1: Yeah.
0: I think the owner of the, uh, the coffee shop slash game store that we're playing at is going to be the corpse.
1: Should you be, should you be saying that? Mike, what? it feels <laughs> like you just, you just kind of created some sort of a crime. If people are gambling on this.
0: Well, I mean, the corpse isn't one of the potential killers, so that's not really
1: um
2: thing. Yeah. Doug, Jesus. I don't know how these things worked. Plus this is, this episode won't go up till, uh afterwards. Anyway,
1: yeah, we should post our episodes. Queer.
0: Not that can't be the corpse, and it can't be the host, which is me. <laughs> the only thing I hate about it is that all the names are puns, and that just infuriates me <laughs> I don't know why i just I, I don't something about puns just piss me off
1: that oh, you being infuriated makes me happy so my character's name is al aboard
0: oh, Un- yeah. unacceptable
1: I, re- I respect that al aboard. Aren't you in charge? Can't you just change the names if it bugs you that much?
0: No, because then it would make the evidence not make any sense. suppose mm. I could probably change my name because the evidence shouldn't include me. But
2: Do you have to yell your name? I might. All Like every time you say it, you have to scream it like that?
0: I kind of want yeah. to do a terrible French accent the whole time for no reason.
2: <laughs> like, uh.
0: I was trying to find the uh the Hercule Poirot fake mustache was for say, my yeah. costume. The the weird double the double twist. Mm. and I couldn't find one. I was like, damn it, I really wanted that.
2: Did you go to spirit Halloween?
0: Didn't have one? Uh I keep not making the are the spirit here like closes at five or something weird like that. And every time, oh, I, every time I'm over where it's at, I'm going to see a movie, and my movie doesn't get out until after it's closed. That's so so early. early. Yeah, it's real weird. It's very strange.
2: Mm. It's just a plot against you, Noah. Yeah, it's some bullshit.
3: Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.